Parents, what would you do if you had a teen who was threatening to run away? Or how about a teen who was depressed and wouldn't talk to you? Well, this is the show for you because joining me today on the show is Dr. Jessica Peck. As a pediatric nurse practitioner in primary care, over the last 20 years, Dr. Jessica Peck has engaged, encouraged, equipped, and empowered families to raise holistically healthy kids. She guides parents to help navigate challenging parenting moments to escape shame and stigma with grace, hope, and courage. As a native Texan, she's a clinical professor at the Baylor University Louise Harrington School of Nursing. An internationally awarded nursing leader, she served as president of the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners. She's the author of the book, Behind Closed Doors a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. And this is going to be the topic of our conversation today. All right, let's get to my interview with Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, Jessica, I'm so excited for our interview. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. You know, you and I are among those odd people that love teenagers and love to go into their minds, dig around and see what's there. And you have just written a new book. When did your book come out? It came out day before yesterday. Okay. Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate life's toughest issues. Boy, if we ever needed a book like that we need it today because not only are kids teenagers confused but parents as well before we get into your book give us a little history about what happened to you and your life experience that brought you to in part brought you to write this book sure well i came from a family with a heritage of faith but we had broken generational relationships and mother-daughter conflict and when i became a mother i was a pediatric nurse practitioner i falsely thought that would give me an advantage it did not and as my daughter my oldest turned 13 we were just in perpetual conflict until one day we were driving down the road and she actually she was reading a book and she threw that book at my head while i was driving uh, it was a four volume book so this was commitment you know this wasn't just you know something that was light yeah. And I pulled over to the side of the road and I, I really felt like a fraud. I felt like a phony. Here I am giving parents advice in my own life as a mother. It's just a total mess. And I realized that I was going to need a different way forward. I needed a different mindset. I needed a different skill set uh, in order to have better relationship with my daughter. And so I started on that journey where I just really changed my mindset from trying to control her behavior because I felt like that would reflect on my insecurities as a parent. As long as she looked like a good daughter, I must be a good parent. And I recognized mm -hmm. that was, I really needed to get to the heart of the issue. I learned how to translate motivational interviewing, which we use in clinical practice at home. And then, you know, at the same time, I was becoming a nursing professor at that time and, and arrived at Baylor in 2019, right before the pandemic. And sitting in my backyard in March of 2020, like every the rest of the world, I knew that the situation for teens was going to worsen. And I knew that parents who were distressed now 
we're going to be even more distressed. And so that led to the birth of Dr. Nurse Mama, my guide on the side, professor brain, hands-on nursing experience, and heart as a mom to help parents have hope for healthy relationships. In this world of image crafting and perfection, I think parents feel pressured to be perfect parents with perfect kids and perfect relationships. Mm -hmm. And healthy is not perfect, mm -hmm. but there is hope for healthy relationships. And so now, two and a half years later, here we are. And by the way, a little postscript, my oldest daughter is now 19, is a sophomore at Baylor. We have an amazing relationship. I'm actually here in Waco to go to homecoming with her. And it doesn't mean it's perfect, but it is healthy and it is beautiful. And we really want to share that. Yeah. I love your story. You got a book. I got a bucket of water thrown over my head by my daughter. And, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's true. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because so many times, you know, parents will look at quote unquote professionals like this and they'll go, wow, your kids must be amazing. No, I think one of the hardest parts that we have to go through in order to really understand kids is that we have to fess up, you and me. We have to have the guts to go to our kids and say, how am I screwing up? Because I don't want to be a phony. I really need to know what you need and how I can deliver. And in order to do that, you need to wake up. Um, and and I, I think it's critical because so many times parents like us, we're, we're trained to look at kids as like, you know what, this is a really hard time. Teens are going to be jerks. Just wait it out and they'll be okay. No, kids act out for a reason and they have pain for a reason and that's why they yell and scream and throw books and buckets of water because <laughs> we're not getting it and so I think the best starting place that's why I loved why you brought this up is to say whoa pull the car over what am I as your mother or father doing? So let's jump ahead now to your book. So you had this epiphany as a mother. <laughs> now you're a, a practitioner and, um, and now you're teaching younger people how to help teenagers navigate. So let's start with where the foundation, where's the starting point in understanding our teens for parents? I love this question. And if we want to influence our teens' worldviews, which I think most parents do, we have to view the world as they see it. And I think there's a significant disconnect between what we as parents want the world to look like for our teens and what it actually looks like. And we are the first generation of parents who are parenting teens who are facing a completely unique set of threats that we just simply did not face. And it's very right. difficult for us to walk them through that because we can't anticipate the threats that are coming. We are often blindsided. And that's what happens to me in clinical practice, seeing parents who are in a place they never imagined themselves to be. And so we have to start by seeing the world as they see it. Now, the only way that we're going to do that is by listening. Just recently, a couple of weeks ago, I did a community suicide prevention event with teens. And when the teens walked in the room, I had the teens go to one table and the parents go to another. There were post-it notes all over the table. And what I asked the teens was, what is the one thing you're scared to ask your parents for? 
all over that whole table was just one word. Post-its filled with one word, and that word was listen. Because we can't lecture our way into right relationship. And that's one of the first things that I do in Behind Closed Doors is teach parents how to listen with your face. We don't give our teens their, our full attention. We are fubbing them, phone snubbing them, which the research coming out on that is fascinating. How when we don't have eye contact, there's no oxytocin secretion and there's no bonding feeling. Our kids don't feel bonded to us because we're not communicating that it's important. So if you're asking me where to start. We've got to see the world as they see it. And we have to listen to what's going on inside of them so that we can meet them where they are and not where we want them to be. And that's hard. That's a great line. You can't lecture your way into healthy relationships. Boy, don't we try to do that. Because as parents, we see our kids going through a hard time. We're worried about them. And so we react with fear. And when we react with fear, we start hammering them. That's what I do. Don't, don't, are you afraid? Are you depressed? Don't do this, don't. And that's the opposite of what we need to do. We need to ask a question and then, I, as I say, pull out the roll of duct tape and put it over your mouth. Because it's really hard to hear what your kids have to say. So. When you're in the session and kids said to you, listen, where did you go from there? Where I go from there is, is translating motivational interviewing, which again is a professional tool that you and I would use in clinical practice to make that accessible and practical for parents. So I call it the love your teen model. And it starts with listening, listening with your face. And I'm going to say that again, you can't lecture your way to leverage behavioral change. You can't argue your way into right relationship. It starts with listening. After that, it goes, O is offer open-ended questions. So instead of the first thing coming out of your mouth being a lecture, an admonition, a warning, because you're exactly right, we react from that place of fear. And we're not, we're afraid that something's going to derail our child's health, derail their future, that something is threatening them, but they don't perceive it that way. They don't perceive it as, oh, my mom's just being protective. They think, oh, they're mad at me, I've disappointed them. Because contrary to popular belief, teens care very much about what you say about them. And more importantly, they believe you. So if you can train yourself to listen first, ask questions second, offer open-ended questions, the third step is V, validate their emotions, name and claim that emotion and saying, I see you're feeling angry. Tell me about that. And they feel like you see me, you get it. Yes. Even if you disagree, you don't think that they should be angry. It doesn't matter. You can validate their emotion and that's going to create some, some, some relational capital for you. And then the last step is E, explore next steps together. It's only in step four after you say, what do you think is a good plan to deal with this situation that you come in and offer guidance? And these are things that are simple, so, so simple, but not easy. You know, I always say great parenting is simple, but it's hard. And it's exactly what you just said. You know, but doing those things is very, very hard. Loving kids well means doing your L-O-V-E model. But we don't know how to do that because while our kids are struggling, a lot of us are struggling. 
you know, there's inflation, there's money issues, there's job issues, there's fear of what's going to happen to our children, there are spousal relationships issues. And so sometimes it feels like we put our teens issues on the back burner and we just respond to what's going on in front of us. But what I hear you saying is that, wait a minute, put your teenagers issues front and center because you can, by all means, help resolve most of those issues by simply doing what you said. How did the parents in that room receive what you said? Well, the interesting thing is I asked the parents, you know, what do you want your teens to know that you're, that you're trying? And it's heartbreaking to see how much they really care about their teens and they're really trying and over and over it saying, you know, I, I'm afraid to bring up these uncomfortable conversations. I don't want to push you away. I don't want to make you angry. I don't want you to grow up and not love me. I mean, that is the deeply held insecurity. And so I think where yeah. parents need to go is to release their teens from the pressure of having to validate our parenting response. What I mean by that is we treat parenting teens like we're growing a chia pet. We want to just put in a little bit of effort, you know, a little bit of sun, and then in two days we have a plant. That right. is not how parenting yeah. teen works. It's like it's like a pineapple, right? Two years. You might be taking care of that soil, patting it down, putting it in the sunlight, watering it, and what do you see? Nothing. Thing. You see nothing. You have to have confidence that you are planting seeds that will harvest in a future time. And kids are looking for that confidence in us. And so many times we generalize behavioral struggles to character issues. So if somebody is struggling with, if a kid is struggling with being truthful, all of a sudden they're a liar instead of a really good kid who's struggling with being truthful in certain areas, they are looking for us to have that confidence to say, I know you're going to overcome this. I know that you are strong enough. I know that we are gonna work on this together and you're gonna get over this. This is not gonna be the rest of your life. And that's so important. And one thing you said is really important too, we do have to deal with our own issues as parents, because if we don't seek healing in our own lives for generational trauma or adverse childhood experiences that we've had or current stressors, then we're not going to be able to be the best parent we can. But so many times we exclude our kids from those discussions and teens know they know when you have money troubles. They know when you have marriage troubles, they see all of these things and they value authenticity. So sitting down with them and just saying, I know you're seeing me stressed because I have money troubles and here's where we are. And this is what I want you to worry about. This is what I don't want you to worry about. Allowing them to ask questions and saying, I can't answer that, but just giving them an honest answer. They want that authenticity. I mean, that is just magic in parenting. It really is. I think that it allows the teen to look at you and say, oh, maybe when mom yells at me, it's really not about me. Maybe she's just allowing her frustration and stress to come on to me. And sometimes I think it's really important for parents to say that and to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm yelling at you and I'm hammering you, but it has nothing to do with you. I'm so sorry. Um, on the other hand, I think that it's important for parents not to draw their kids into their problems because I think then sometimes, particularly in a divorce situations, where a child is living with mom and 
you know, mom doesn't have another adult to sort of bounce things off of, the child may feel like, okay, I need to help you. I need to help you. So talk about that, how we should talk to our kids, but not pull them into our issues. That is such a great and wise point because we don't want to burden them with things that they're not already burdened with. So I think, again, going back to the love your teen model, listening first and offering offering open-ended questions is good to see what are they worried about. You may be making an assumption that they're worried about something that you're worried about when really their worry is something totally off the radar and something different that you didn't even see coming. So I think just asking questions, open-ended questions, what's worrying you? You know, what are you you most worried about now? Sometimes I'll ask my teens on a scale from one to 10, how do you feel? 10, I feel great. One, I feel terrible. And then just by knowing that number, like if they tell me I'm an eight or nine, I'm like, okay, we're good. If they tell me, hey, I'm a four or five today, I think "Mm, we got to have, right, we got to have some more questions. But I think when one of the chapters I write, about and behind closed doors is specifically about divorce. And I think it's really important for parents to invite other trusted adults into their circle because sometimes when kids are going back and forth to different houses, they have a lot of pressure. Like, I can't talk to you about this because then, you know, dad's going to ask me about this. Mom's going to ask me about this. So inviting a neutral party that you trust in and saying, hey, if you ever feel like you're burdened by something and you can't talk to me about it, I want you to know you can talk to this person. And setting that up with that adult. I know I feel that function for a lot of kids in life. And I think parenting takes a village, you know, so we have to have those trusted people, whether that's a counselor, a a pastor, a teacher, a coach, just a good friend, a relative. Who are those people that you identify as trusted to your team? That's really important. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Dr. Jessica Peck. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with more of this conversation. Welcome back to Parenting Great Kids. My guest today is Dr. Jessica Peck. Talk about, I'm putting you on the spot here, but that's what I like to do. Okay. The top three issues that kids, teenagers struggle with that we as parents need to know, because you said they worry and struggle with things that we may not recognize. What are the top three issues or pressures they feel and face that are really emotionally disruptive to them? You're right. That is a really tough question because in Behind Closed Doors, I chose the top 12 issues that I see pretty much every day in clinical practice. But if I had to choose the top three, I would say mental health, social media, and sexual behaviors that come related to social media use. Those are the things I see by far and away the most common threats that are there. And it's really hard because I'm sure you've had the same experience. No one comes into my clinic and says, my teen is having trouble eating and sleeping, and I think they might be depressed. They usually say, it might be the flu. Do they have mono? You know, they want uh, tests. And it's really, and it's usually been going on for weeks and months. And when our kids are little, they have an ear infection. If they're up fussy in the night, we pick up the phone and we call and we make an appointment and we say, I just want you to check their ears. Just make sure it's okay. 
but we don't have that same mindset with mental health. We just think, oh, let me wait it out a little. Let me Google search. Let me try a different diet maybe. Let me argue with my spouse about it or another relative about it. And you know, then things deteriorate. And by the time they come in, it's really hard because they don't want that label on their child. But I think this generation is really courageous to talk about mental health in a way that previous generations have not. We all have our own generation. Each generation has their own dysfunctional way that we dealt with generational trauma. But this, this generation really talks about it. And I think that's encouraging for parents. And I think they're going to change the narrative on mental health and how kids access care. I love it. You know, kids want to be treated as smart people. They don't want to be treated as a little kid who's just never going to get uh, what we have to say. So let's dive in. And you said the number one issue is mental health. So if you were looking into a teenager's brain who had mental health issues, what are the most common mental health issues and where do they come from? The most common things that I see are anxiety and depression by far. And then you could lump in disordered eating that comes in that we're seeing really rise after the pandemic. Where they come from is a complex factor of a complex combination of genetic factors and environmental factors. And so some of it you can't help. Some of it is just in your genes. If you have depression or anxiety that runs in your family, that may just be familial. Sometimes it can be triggered by external stressors. And my goodness, don't we have a lot of external stressors? You know, this generation of teens, especially since COVID, yeah. I mean, we have social unrest, we have financial instability. We have global conflict and the world and bad news is coming to teens at the speed of a smartphone. And we just weren't designed to absorb that much bad news at once. And with the pre combined with the pressures to always be Insta ready, Instagram ready, uh, to be ready for social media, to be perfect. That was the other question I asked at the prevention event about what do, what do you see on social media that your parents don't know you see? Every parent expected them to put something like pornography they put one word again all over the table and that word was perfect. I see perfect, mm. perfect, perfect, perfect. And I think this leaves teens feeling really anxious and disconnected from meaningful relationships. They're just connected digitally, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So kids feel that they need to be perfect and they feel a lot of pressure around them. So when a child is depressed, at the root of the depression is a sense that I hate who I am. I hate myself. And there's that sort of locking in of self-contempt. Does that come from, and you talked about genetics and depression, does that sense come from other people immediately around them who are talking down to them? Does it come from fear about nuclear war or fear about where the world's going, or does it come from everywhere? I think it comes from everywhere. I think every child is unique and every circumstance is unique, but it is, it's coming from everywhere and it's coming from their friends. And then they worry, when I see kids who worry if they have a mental health condition, they wanna know, is 
do I have depression or anxiety or is this just kind of normal, like what I should expect, like life should be like. And so using some behavior rating scales and clinical practice can help us give them an objective look and say, okay, you know what? I'm really, I'm not too worried about you. You probably need to get more sleep. You need more exercise. You need to have more meaningful connections. Or we could say, you know, I am really concerned about this and we may need to talk about some counseling for you. A lot of parents are really afraid and kids are afraid that they're just going to get a prescription, which that's not the gold standard of therapy for anxiety or depression for kids. We use counseling and a cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's not how that should happen. And that's kind of, you know, how kids come in. And then their second greatest fear, what they ask is, what are my parents going to think if I have a mental health condition? Because they care so much about what they think. They think maybe this is some complex, you know, failure that I have. And sometimes if I'm, if we're really honest, we over-spiritualize mental health and they think my faith isn't strong enough. You know, what, what is wrong with me that I can't overcome this? And so I think just giving them some baseline of, you know, where they are and where we should be, what level of concern we should have and some basic tools going forward teens' brains are not fully developed. So if we interact and, and act early, they're going to have much better outcomes than if we let this linger on until they're in their 30s and they say, yeah, you know, I've been struggling with this since I was 14. So for the parent listening, right now they're probably getting more frightened and more frightened. But, but <laughs> we want them to hold on because there are answers and parents need yes. to know that there are big part of the solution. So A, how can a parent identify if their teen is really struggling with depression or anxiety? And then B, what do they do? And then C, sorry, how That's okay. can they prevent it if it ha if depression or anxiety hasn't arrived or can they? So first of all, how you recognize it, most parents, they have that spidey sense, you know, that something is just off. And this is why it's so important to have a good relationship with your primary care provider, someone you trust and someone you like. And in these days that where convenience is king, we see a lot of parents out of convenience going for telehealth or urgent care or other you know, places where you're getting healthcare, which those things have their time and place. But it doesn't replace that trusted advice that you get, you know, be going, being in relationship with somebody. So go, so if you feel like something is wrong, just pick up the phone and call your healthcare provider. Go in. We are trained. We are equipped. We are ready to partner with you and your team. We do not want to get in the middle of and divide you. We want to bring you together and we can help you facilitate that conversation and tell you both. Yes, this is something to be concerned about or no, this isn't. As far as prevention, yes, you can prevent mental health issues to some extent. To some extent from, uh, from genetics, we can't help a lot with, but you still can help the outcomes of that. And again, these things are so simple, but so hard. So things that are evidence-based that really improve mental health are family dinners. Having family dinner together at least once a week is so important. Now, parents, we have our in our mind, this is supposed to be Pinterest, you know? When I went to my kindergartner school party, it was nicer than my wedding reception, and I'm not even lying. So it does not have to be I, like I believe that. it. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it can just be peanut butter sandwiches standing around the kitchen island. You know, it does not have to be fancy. And so having dinner together, making sure they're going to bed on time, that they have a bedtime routine. These things that we do when we're parenting toddlers, we have to still do when they're teens, even though they don't seem to enjoy it as much. There needs to be a bedtime routine. You need to sit at the end of their bed or have some way that you're telling them good night. They need to be getting physical exercise during the day. They need to be eating healthy foods. They need to have meaningful connections to families. And you know, a lot of people talk about screen time. I think it's impossible to monitor screen time. The more compelling thing is offer compelling alternatives. You know, do something fun, invite them to go on a walk, have a game out. And you know, they may not take you up on it the first time, but if you're having fun and you invite other people in, they're gonna have FOMO, right? They're gonna have fear of missing out and they're gonna join. Well, friends, I hate to interrupt this interview here, but this is all the time we have for today. We'll pick this conversation up right here where we left off on the next episode of Parenting Great Kids. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Jessica Peck. Let's go over my points to ponder. One, know this time will pass. You know, many parents get discouraged when their 16 or 13-year-old acts out screaming or being rebellious or challenging parents on every front. But remember, a child's brain during the teen years isn't fully developed. And this doesn't happen until his early 20s. This means that your teen's thought process and brain function will change. His brain will mature and he'll be able to reason with you much better. So hang on. You have seven or eight years to get through and then you'll have an adult on your hands. Two, don't get drawn into drama. One of the hardest things for parents to do is to respond calmly to our teens. This takes practice and it's unnatural. But the best way to help your teen settle down is to respond to her in a calm not uncaring manner. Often when teens act out, they do so to get your attention and to fight with you. Three, speak up, not down to your teen. When teens give parents a tough time, they tend to say things like, I just can't believe you're so mean or irresponsible or such a bad son. This is the way you feel, but you'll be far more successful in reversing his behaviors by periodically saying things like, I know this is a really tough time for you and you're mad at me all the time, but deep inside, you're a really good man or kid and always remember that. The best way to make a person feel like a good person is to tell them so, not to put them down. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Jessica Peck, for joining me on the show today. You can follow her at drnursemama.com. That's drnursemama.com. You can also find Jessica on social media. Just search for Dr. Nurse Mama in your internet browser. Now, let's recap my three points to ponder. One, know this time will pass. Two, don't get drawn into the drama. And three, speak up, not down to your team. Friends, if you need help or encouragement or answers to any of your questions about your kids or your relationship with your kids, go to meekerparenting.com 
dadcoachingcoursedadcom.com. I have courses, tips, blogs, and more to help you. And if you know a dad who needs encouragement while you're there, check out my brand new Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters Masterclass. And parents, always remember, great kids are raised, not born. Mm-hmm.